Our scripture reading for this morning comes from the book of Hebrews. It's in the New Testament. Um, And we're going to be looking at chapter 10, verses 19 through 25. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, And our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works. Not neglecting meeting together as is the habit of some. But encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning. My name is Henry Thompson, and I'm one of the associate pastors here at Christ Community Brookside. And I'm thankful to have the opportunity to preach the word of God to you this morning on Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, Let us begin before we pray. I mean, let us pray before we begin. (laughs) It's going to be a struggle. (laughs) Uh, Father, I thank you for your grace, Lord. I thank you for uh, allowing me to be here. Uh, And everyone that's here today, Lord, I just pray that you would speak through me, Lord. I pray that you would uh, touch every single person here, Lord. by your spirit, Lord, and encourage them and build them up through this message, Lord. And I pray ultimately that you would be glorified, Lord, and that you would draw us closer to yourself during this time, Father. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. For those who don't know, I moved to Kansas City from the Chicago area about eight months ago. And this week, I was so thankful that I was not in Chicago. It was cold in Kansas City, but Chicago was an Arctic tundra this week. The the temperature Wednesday got down to negative 21 Fahrenheit. I've never experienced that and don't ever want to experience that. And even worse, with the windshield, the real feel was negative 41 degrees. Isn't that crazy? But despite the bitterly cold weather, I find myself at times missing the windy city Chicago. Now, when I lived in the Chicago area, I attended a historically black church on the south side of Chicago. This church I attended was founded in 1919. So it is 100 years old this year. And this church is part of a Baptist denomination originally founded by African Americans. Now, if you were to attend church there on a Sunday, You would see people clapping, shouting, lifting their hands, and maybe even dancing during the worship. You would also see people standing up and clapping throughout the sermon because preaching in many black Baptist churches is a dialogue between the pastor and the congregation. So congregants are expected to say amen and talk back to the pastor during the sermon. And don't worry, I would never put that expectation on y'all here at Christ Community. But if you ever feel the desire to say amen during this sermon, 
or stand up and clap, please feel free. <laughs> All jokes aside, I was so thankful for my former congregation on the south side of Chicago. Because you see, I would not have been ready for my Monday if I wasn't on, at church on Sunday. On Monday, I had difficult seminary classes. I had two part-time jobs. Many times, I also felt discouraged because I had very, very little financial resources throughout seminary. To avoid this harsh reality, I rarely looked at how much money was in my bank account. During seminary, God used my church to strengthen my faith. And the result was that I was ready for Monday. I was ready for all of life. Have you ever felt like you needed church for your Monday? Amen. Or have you ever felt like something was missing in your week when you missed church? In our text this morning, God reminds us of the importance of meeting together. And we know this. We know we should come to church, right? That's why we're all here this morning. But it can be hard to make it to church. Many of you have so many obligations that you have throughout your week. You have so many things to get done. Many of you have chores to do over the weekend before you go back to church on Monday. I mean, go back to work on Monday. It can also be hard with babies and young kids to be involved in church, right? <laughs> but I have a question for you this morning. Outside of the habit, why are you here today? I assume you're probably here because you know church matters for Sunday. We need church for Sunday. Now, I know some of you may be thinking, wait a second, Henry. I thought this series was about Monday, church for Monday. And now we're talking about Sunday again? We are in a series called Church for Monday. But we believe that in order to be ready for Monday, we must have a love for the church. In order to be ready for our week, we must be involved in a local church. If you've been tracking with us, you know that Monday is a metaphor for all of life. Monday represents your work, your family life, your hobbies, and your leisure. And if you take one thing with you this morning, I hope it's this. We need church for our Monday. We need church for our Monday. And we need this every week. Now, I know some of you may not be able to make it to church every Sunday due to work, but I would encourage you to get involved with a weekly small group because my basic point is that we need church community for our Monday. And in our text this morning, we are going to see three reasons why we need the church for our Monday because, you know, all my sermons have three points. First, we need church for Monday, for our Monday, because we need acceptance. We need church for our Monday because we need acceptance. In the church, we experience the deep acceptance that we long for through Jesus Christ. Let's look back at verse 19 through 22 of our text. It reads in the New International Version, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with the sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience 
and having our bodies washed with pure water. Now for context, the book of Hebrews is written to a church community of Jewish Christians. The Jews are God's chosen people. And before Jesus came, the Jews were under something called the Old Covenant. But in the book of Hebrews, the author makes the argument that the New Covenant, which began through Jesus, is better than the Old Covenant. Now, under the Old Covenant, Jews went to worship in the temple in Jerusalem. Within this temple was a section called the Most Holy Place. The Most Holy Place within the temple was behind two sets of thick curtains. Jewish people could never go into this area of the temple because God's presence dwelt there. And some of you may be wondering, why couldn't they go into God's presence? Well, the God we serve is so perfect and set apart from sin that sinful people like us cannot go into his presence based on our own merit. The only person who could go into the most holy place in the temple was the high priest. And he could only go into this section of the temple once a year to offer an animal sacrifice for his sins and the sins of the Jewish people. In verse 19, the author of Hebrews lets this community of Jewish Christians know that they can enter into God's most holy place. The reason they can now enter confidently into God's presence is because of Jesus' blood. Our Savior Jesus humbled himself by taking on flesh He existed all eternity as part of our three-in-one God, but he took on flesh and lived the perfect life we could never live. Then he shed his blood on the cross of Calvary to cover over all our sins. Now, as a church community, we can come near to God because we are now fully acceptable by God. To the original audience, it would have been mind-blowing to hear that now they could enter into the most holy place through the blood of Jesus. Now, growing up in church, I knew that when they started talking about the blood of Jesus, that service was going to be longer than usual. (laughs) Because people got excited when they talked about the blood of Jesus. And as a kid, I wondered, like, why are they so excited? But now I know that they were excited because they knew they couldn't come into God's presence based on their own merit. They knew the only reason they could have a relationship with God was because of the blood of Jesus shed on the cross. And in Hebrew, this is what the Jew, this Jewish Christian community is hearing. They're hearing that now they can enter into God's holy presence. In verse 20, the author of Hebrew shows that the curtain which separated us from God's presence has been torn down through Jesus. In verse 22, we see that despite our sin, we are now counted as clean because Jesus Christ shed his blood for us. Now we can confidently enter into God's presence and be fully acceptable. We can follow the commandment to come near to our God as a community. Based on our merit, we do not deserve to enter into God's holy presence. If we are honest, we all live in ways that go against God's commands. We treat people in unloving ways. We use our words to lie and hurt other people. We lust after things that God forbids. We place lesser things above our gracious creator, God. And for these sins, we deserve to be separated from God for eternity. We deserve to be rejected by God. But through Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, all our sins are covered through his blood. Now we are fully accepted by God. And we need to be reminded of this truth every week in the community of the church because we live in a 
achievement-oriented society. We live in a culture where we often have to work for the acceptance of other people. And I know this from experience. Prior to going to seminary, I worked at a store called Aldi. And I love Aldi. Amen. <laughs> yes, amen. Because when you ain't got much money, Aldi will really help you. <laughs> and I had a boss when I worked at Aldi who was very strict. He was a little bit over the top. I mean, he even made some of the employees at the store cry by the way he talked to them. And I admit, when I started working for Aldi, I wasn't the best at my job, but I wanted to do my job well, so I worked hard, and I improved substantially, and I got good at my job, and my boss was very pleased with my progress. But if I made one small mistake, he would still call me out in a harsh way. And it seemed like no matter how hard I worked, I would never get his full approval or acceptance. No matter how good I performed the day before, I had to keep working for his acceptance. Have you ever felt like you would never get the full acceptance from a family member, coworker, boss, or neighbor? Or have you ever felt like you were looking for acceptance in the wrong place? We all long to be fully known and accepted. We all want a place to belong. This is why we need the church. In the church, we experience the deepest acceptance because our acceptance is not based on our performance. It is based on Jesus Christ's perfect life and sacrifice on the cross for us. Through his blood, we are fully accepted. I have no idea what you did this past week, but you do, and chances are those closest to you know as well. Your spouse, children, best friends, and God certainly knows. But here's the beautiful truth we find in this passage. No matter what you did this past week or month or year, if you have turned from your sins and put your faith in Jesus Christ for your forgiveness, then you are fully accepted by God. In Christ, we don't work for acceptance. We work from acceptance. Don't miss that. We, work, we don't work for acceptance. We work from acceptance. And we need to be in the church community to be reminded of this weekly. In this church community, we experience acceptance from one another because we have experienced the deepest acceptance from God. We bear with one another and forgive one another because we have been fully accepted by God. When we experience God's acceptance through one another in this community, we can face the small and big rejections on our Monday or throughout our week. When we break communion and remember God's acceptance, we do not have to walk in shame for our past sins and mistakes. Now, I know some of you have been in churches where you didn't experience acceptance. That may even be your story at this church. And if it is, I'm sorry about that. We are not a perfect church, but we are striving to be a community where people can draw near to God, knowing that they are fully accepted by God through Jesus. We need to hear this truth in the community of the church. We need the church for our Monday because we need acceptance. Amen? Y'all doing good today. <laughs> now, that's not the only reason we need the church. 
In our text this morning, we see that we need the church for our Monday because we need hope. We need hope. Let's look back at verse 23 of our text. It reads in the New International Version, Let us hold unswaveringly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Let us hold unswaveringly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. The author of Hebrews calls this community of believers to hold on to their faith. He reminds them that the God they serve is faithful. Now, many Bible commentators believe that the Jewish Christians this letter was written to were facing persecution for their faith. This letter was written probably between 60 and 70 AD. And during this time period, Christians faced deep persecution under the Roman Emperor Nero. The author of Hebrews is probably calling this Christian community to hold on to hope in the midst of persecution. Throughout Hebrews, the author is calling this Christian community to hold on to hope that they have in Jesus Christ. Imagine if you were facing persecution for your faith. Imagine if you lived in a country where you could possibly lose your life for following Jesus Christ. Even though this is not our reality, we still have Christian sisters and brothers throughout the world who face persecution for their faith in the Middle East, in North Africa, in certain parts of Asia. And this is the reality that these Jewish Christians were facing in the book of Hebrews. It is incredibly hard to hold on to hope in the midst of persecution. But the author of Hebrews calls his audience to hold on. He basically says, I know you're going through persecution, but our God is faithful. He basically says, I know you're going through a trial, but Jesus has died and risen for your sins. And he's going to come back and take you to a place where there's no more death, pain, sin, or persecution. The author of Hebrews calls this Christian community to hold on to hope. And it can be hard to hold on to hope, right? I felt this personally. Now, we do not face physical persecution for our faith throughout the week, but we live in a fallen world where it's easy to lose hope. We live in a world where there is chronic diseases and illnesses. We live in a world where people commit suicide. We live in a world where there's strife and division in families. We live in a world where people are abused. We live in a world of natural disasters where people die from polar vortexes. We live in a world where people are discriminated against. We live in a broken world. And this reality can lead us to lose hope. Let me ask you a question. What makes you feel hopeless on your Monday? Or what makes you feel hopeless throughout your week? Is it drama in your family? Or your finances? Or your health? Or your job? Or infertility? Life is hard. And it can be hard to hold on to hope in the midst of difficult circumstances. And I see this all the time. Just this week, I was reading some writing from the prolific writer Ta-Nehisi Coates. Ta-Nehisi is a talented writer who has won the MacArthur Genius Grant. He's also won the National Book Award for his wildly popular book, 
Between the World and Me, which is a book that he wrote to his son. But many people, including myself, critique Tanahasi because there is deep hopelessness in his writing. He points out problems, but he makes it seem like it's impossible for true change to occur. And those who read his books often walk away feeling hopeless. And in one of his books, he writes, perhaps struggle is all we have because the God of history is an atheist and nothing about his world is meant to be. So you must wake up every morning knowing that no promise is unbreakable, least of all the promise of waking up at all. This is not despair. These are the preferences of the universe, verbs over nouns, actions over states, struggle over hope. Isn't that dark? Now, Tenehasi has a materialistic worldview. He does not believe in the supernatural or God. He believes that we ultimately have no hope and all we can do is struggle. And many people in our society feel this way. They feel there's no real hope for change. But in our text this morning, we see that we do have hope. And our hope is not rooted in a fairy tale. It's rooted in an empty grave. Jesus died and rose again. We have an eternal hope in Jesus. Amen? But it can be so easy to lose sight of this hope. I'm going to be real with y'all. This transition to Kansas City over the past eight months has been harder than I expected. I love being at Christ Community, but it has been hard moving to a new area. It's been hard developing a community in a new place. And at times in this past eight months, I have struggled with feelings of hopelessness and despair. But being a part of this church has helped me hold on to hope in the midst of a difficult transition. We need the church community weekly to hold on to hope. We need to be reminded that Jesus died and rose again from the grave, conquering sin and death. We need to be reminded that Jesus is going to return and take us to a place with no more pain, death, or sorrow. We need to be reminded that our God is faithful. We need the church community to hold on to hope because we live in a world of hopelessness. We need church for our Monday because we need a deep abiding hope. Now, we don't only need church for Monday, for our Monday, because we need acceptance and hope. We also need church for our Monday because we need community. We need community. Let's look back at verse 24 and 25 of our text. It reads in the New International Version. And let us consider how we can spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see that day approaching. In verse 24, the author of Hebrews calls this Christian community to think about how they can inspire one another to tangibly love their neighbor by carrying out acts of kindness. He commands them to think about how they can inspire their sisters and brothers in Christ to love others and do good deeds to their neighbors. In verse 25, he commands this Christian community to, to continue to meet together. He commands them to not allow themselves to get out of the habit of gathering as a church community. He also calls out the fact 
that some Christians in their community have gotten into this habit of not meeting. And he calls them to avoid this by regularly meeting together to encourage one another. In these verses, we see that we cannot live the Christian walk on our own. At Christ Community, we believe if you're going to faithfully follow Jesus, you need to be a part of a local church. Now, as we've dug into our research, we see that the average person at Christ Community comes about twice a month. I'm not trying to make anybody feel guilty. I know many of you are busy or have young kids, but I encourage you to make church on Sunday a priority in your life. We believe this is important because we need Christian community. We need community to be encouraged in our faith. We need community to be inspired to do good works and love our neighbor throughout our week. Now, I know some of you cannot make it on Sunday, but we encourage you to join a small group. We want everyone at our church to have at least one weekly connection point through a Bible study, small group, and or weekly Sunday services. Now, I know some of you may be thinking, is a church community really that important, Henry? Or is it beneficial to really be involved in the church? Well, this week I read an article in U.S. Today by Tyler Vanderwill, a professor at Harvard and John Seneff. In this article, the authors write, new research with colleagues at Harvard University, building on more than 20 years of prior work in this area, suggests that attending religious services bring about better physical and mental health. Something about the communal religious experience and participation matters. Something powerful appears to take place there and it enhances health. It is something quite different from solitary spirituality. See, I want y'all to come to church because I care about y'all health. <laughs> I want y'all to live strong. <laughs> In their research, they found that those who attend church service weekly live longer and have better mental health. Even science is starting to highlight the importance of being involved in a church. And we do not ultimately need Harvard researchers to tell us going to church is good for our health because God already told us in, its, in his word that it's good. But it can be so easy to lose sight of our need for a church community because we live in an individualistic society. As Americans, in our culture, we are prone to believe that we can follow Jesus on our own. We are prone to think, we're fine if we just come to church once or twice a month, but this is not true. We need to be deeply involved in the church weekly because we need community. We cannot live our Christian life faithfully without the church. And to illustrate the importance of a church community for you this morning, we have an amazing video of a story from some of our congregants at our Lee Wood and Olathe campus. This video shows the importance of community, and it should be up here in a second on the screen. We always, want, we always wanted, knew that we wanted to have a bigger family. For me, it came down to, okay, well, four is kind of a lot, so I want a bigger family, but so, so it was kind of always a joke. I always said, well, let's either have three or four, whichever one comes first. He literally said that, <laughs> and God was like, <laughs> I like made an appointment to get labs done and sure enough they said, you know, like you're pregnant. And they, uh, they wanted us to come in for an ultrasound because Caitlin's HCG levels were a little bit high. And uh, that's when we met Lisa. My name's Lisa Linhart and I work in ultrasound and I work now in this uh, very small specialty 
of ultrasound and reproductive endocrinology. We made the connection that we both went to Christ Community, and so um, that's when we were like, um, I don't know. I just feel like God had that all in His hands, like just the perfect timing of the people he placed in our lives. So we had gone in for like our first ultrasound. So we hugged and said hello and I kind of said a, a quiet prayer in my head that we would see a heartbeat that day. And so I brought him back and started scanning. I don't remember what she said, something about like, so when you see a little circle or a little dot right there, like that means that that's a, there's a baby right there. And immediately knew that it was a multiple pregnancy. And it's not unusual for us to see twins, but anything more than that is um, pretty unusual, pretty rare. And so I knew right away that this was gonna be some um, big news that I'd have to deliver. <laughs> We sort of like looked up at the screen and we could like clearly see that there were like three dots and um, all I could do was just like laugh at like, oh my gosh, like. I didn't laugh. <laughs> <laughs> Next week they came back, seven days later, and this time counted one, two, three, four heartbeats. At that point, sort of shaking and just like, oh my goodness, like four like I mean I knew three was a lot but like what does that do for like my body for the babies I do just count it an honor and a privilege to to walk through these moments with people it's hard to hear but like that like the chance of all four of them making it um, um, is very slim and um, it was less than one percent but at the same time we knew that it was in God's hands we see a lot of success but we also see a lot of um, a lot of loss, and people come in carrying a lot of pain, and some of that is seen, and most of it is unseen. And Caitlin and I kept going back to, I mean, what's the smartest thing to do? Uh, the smartest thing to do is, I mean, lean on our faith um, and and let God do this because this is all in His hands. If you came to our house today, I mean, you would obviously hear um, lots of um, crying and lots of um, little ones crawling around, crumbs on the floor, and um, life is never what we expected it to look like, but in a great way. So yeah, it's changing lots and lots of dirty diapers and cleaning up lots and lots of spit up still and washing like at least two or three loads of laundry every day. I don't know who said it to who, but um, just when all the kids were going crazy and I was about to rip out my hair, um, we were just like, you know what? We have to embrace the chaos. Um, and so that's something that we've really been living by. From the very beginning, we could not have done it without our church family and our family. We were just blown away at people's generosity and just knowing that that they're, they're praying for us and that they took the time to make us a meal or to pick us up some food. I mean, there were even times that I was picking up meals from people that I didn't even know who they were um, that, that go to our church and that were just blessing us in that way. It's beautiful to look back. It was terrifying and still is terrifying, but it just it's beautiful to look back. Wasn't that amazing?
I'm single, y'all. I don't have no kids. I'm barely taking care of me. <laughs> so having four kids, and, and what's so beautiful about this film is that we see how the church community came around them and supported them and how they were, how they were able to keep faith in the midst of a difficult situation and hope in that situation. And we see how they were blessed through Lisa's faithful work. We also see how they were blessed through the deeds of our church. They had people bringing them meals that they didn't even know. Now, none of us may have quadruplets or want quadruplets, but we all need a church like this amazing couple. We need a church to re be reminded that we are fully accepted through Jesus Christ. We need a church to remember that we have hope, and we need a church for community. We cannot live this Christian life alone. We need a community of Christians to faithfully live for God throughout our week. We need church for our Monday. We need church for our Monday. Amen? Let us pray. Father, we just thank you for your grace, Lord. We thank you for this time and just bringing us together as a family, Lord. I pray that you would draw us closer together, Lord. Pray that you would stir us up to love one another, encourage one another, and build one another up, Lord. And I pray that every person in here today would be encouraged, Lord, and built up, and that they would feel love for them from this Christian community, Father. In Jesus' name, I pray.